So let us get into the word. Uh, this is, we're teaching from Romans chapter 8. This is uh, Romans chapter 8. This is the, the seventh message from just chapter 8. And what we have found is Paul is, has written this book or this epistle to the Romans because they are thriving. They're in the middle of uh, in the middle of the Roman Empire, they're in the center of the Roman Empire. They are living in Rome and they're doing very well economically. Uh, Rome is at peace. The Christians are doing well, but they need to learn how to grow properly. And those of us who are here today, we are living in the time of a great time of prosperity. I, I don't think there's probably been a better time uh, to be alive. We have jet travel. We go all over the world. We, we have more than enough of everything that we need. But are we growing properly is the question. The Christians were living in the midst of pagan Rome, so they had to grow properly. The pagan influences were all around them, all upon them, but were they growing property, properly? Did they know how to do that? So today, I think we can parallel our lives to their lives and ask us, are we informed by the world and the world system more than we are Christ? That's the question, and we need the, the, the teachings of the Word of God and the Spirit of God to help us grow grow properly. We want to grow properly. So let's look at this uh, scripture. This is my um, seventh message. Let's look at it. Romans chapter 8. He says, let's go to verse 16. We want to, uh, I should have started in 18, but let's start in 16, where Paul says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So what Paul says is that we have an inner witness of the very Spirit of God joined with our spirit. Our spirit, before the Holy Spirit came to live in us, was dead to God. Your spirit, you had a spirit, but it could not find God. No way, no way. Could not communicate with God. But the, now when the Holy Spirit came, you were awakened to God. It is as though your spirit said, Daddy, God, for the first time in your life when you came to Jesus, your spirit was aware of God. And we, we all had that experience. We may describe it differently, but we were awakened to God, to the knowledge of God. Paul tells us that if that, that the Spirit bears witness that we are children of God. And so it's not just that we know that there is a God, but we recognize that there has been a spiritual birth, that you and I are now born ones of God. So we have been, been born of God. I always want to make that differentiation because we have to see the differentiation that because we know that we are also adopted. So we have to understand what does adoption bring and what does birth bring? And so he, Paul says that we are heirs of God. That means we have an inheritance, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And now, but we also have 
um, we are heirs to by adoption. Here we inherit all things, but now we can enjoy those things that we have inherited. Why? Because we were adopted as full-grown sons. Oh, we, we have to understand it. Amen. And Paul says, if indeed we suffer with him. So we are heirs, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means that what God, what Jesus has, we have. Now, it, certainly it does not mean um, that, that we are uh, omnipotent. We're not omnipotent. We don't, there are those things of Jesus that we don't, uh, as it were, share. We don't, we, we're not omnipotent beings. But, and we are not um, uh, everywhere. Jesus is everywhere by his spirit. You know, so we are not that. Jesus is, is now uh, omniscient by his spirit. He knows everything. We don't know everything. But yet, all these other things we share with Jesus. We share with Jesus. And Jesus, at the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, he is actually going to conquer everything that needs to be conquered. And then he is going to deliver the kingdom to God the Father. And, the, and then, and what is, it's so amazing when I first read that, I was somewhat disappointed that, that I misunderstood the scripture. But Jesus will give everything, and then what God is going to do is going to give it back to him. Amen. Uh, and that's what it looks like. And so we, we inherit all things because then the revelation tells us that Jesus Christ, uh, that God will be the light forever and ever, right? He will be the light forever and ever. But Jesus will be what? The lamp. He will be the lamp, and so God the Father will shine through Jesus and what I call his lamp company. All of us uh, are, are the little lights or the, little, uh, the lamp company. And he says that we may be glorified together. And so what Paul does is by the Holy Spirit, he anticipates a, glory, a glorification of Jesus Christ to the whole of the universe. And he says, if you suffer with him, when he is glorified, you also will be glorified along with him as you receive your inheritance. You and I are born ones of God. We belong to God just like Jesus belongs to God. Those things were too wonderful for me. I remember reading them many, many years ago, and I would just shake my head and say, no, because I felt so unworthy, so unworthy to be brought into glorification with Jesus. But that's the heart of God. That's his generosity. So Paul says, don't worry about suffering. Now, I've, we've talked about suffering a lot because, especially living in America, there's very little that we have really suffered. Sometimes we suffer that we've got to pay $3 for gasoline. Uh, you know, and in Europe, they've been paying those high prices for gasoline for years and years, decades and decades, as long as I've been going there. They've been paying, you know, a dollar plus, maybe a dollar eighty or whatever, a liter, but some large number. And so, but we, we think, oh, uh, we, we've got to vote somebody into office because right now we go to, uh, to buy groceries and meat is, is uh, 15 cents or 40 cents more a pound than it was before. Oh, we, we don't want to suffer. You know, we, that's suffering for us. But there are a lot of great sufferings, greater sufferings. But, and, but we want to suffer for the gospel. We, we, we want to suffer for the gospel. That is, do whatever it takes to bring the gospel to people. And this is what God wants us to do. Suffer for the gospel. So, so, so Paul says, if we suffer, uh, how do you say it? If, if we suffer, we will be glorified together with him. Let me look at uh, verse... Um, 
go to verse 18 now. I want to cut down some time here. And so Paul talks, he starts to talk about in this section from suffering to glory. So he wants you to know is that suffering does not last always. He wants you to understand that suffering does not last always. So you and I are not serving God because God has made us ha to have a flower bed of ease, or a nice, comfortable, uh, fluffy, down pillow life. You know, we, we, we can have the best pillow to lay our heads on. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We, you and I must go through whatever God puts in our path to go through without complaining all the time, without looking for something that's cushy, a cushy life. So Paul talks about it. this man. I was uh, one day. I was it was after a long t period of consecration with the Lord, and I was tired, and I was I think I was sleepless, and I knew I had to get up in the morning and work some more and make phone calls and various things, and I was really bothered. And I said, God, I'm so tired. I I can't sleep. I think I'll take a, met a melatonin. Uh, so I thought to take five grams of melatonin, a little pill. Uh, a little natural thing that gets your brain working and puts you to sleep. And as I took it, I felt bad. I said, Paul didn't have melatonin. <laughs> I, I did. I felt bad. I thought, you know, here I am. You know, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering somewhat, but I've got something to mitigate my suffering. You know, are you with me? I, I'm not, I don't want to suffer. I hate suffering. You know, my flesh doesn't like to suffer. I, and, and in my earlier days, I practiced suffering avoidance. And so I, I said, Lord, Paul says sleeplessness. He endured sleeplessness. He had to walk everywhere. I ride most places a fly. I want you to follow me. And, and I said, Lord, uh, and, I, and, and because I, was, I couldn't sleep, I took a little melatonin under my tongue, and in about an hour, I was sound asleep. I said, help me, Jesus. But Paul is saying, no, if you suffer, if you suffer. I'm not telling you to go out and choose the hard times, but he says, suffer with him. Because there's a blessing in suffering with him. Why? You'll be glorified together. And he says further, he says, if you suffer with him, you will reign with him. This is what God wants. This is not the end for us. This is a glorious time for the church and for believers to know. Let's go through whatever God puts in our path to go through. Paul says in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed not to us but in us. He says, I reckon, I consider, I put it on the books that the sufferings of this present time, and this is what, they lived under harsh conditions, walked or most places where he went, walking and walking and, and toiling day after day, being beaten for the gospel. I've been talked ugly to about the gospel. I've been lied on, but I think it's a lot easier than being beaten. He was beaten five times with a cat of, uh, of nine tails and, and beaten, beaten five times with a whip. Five times, 39 lashes each time. Three times beaten with rods. One time stoned. Kicked out of town more times than I think the Bible has recorded, maybe. 
kicked out of town. So he says, but I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, and he says, for our light affliction. What? <laughs> I mean, no, no. Americans light affliction. <laughs> But he says, even the beating. Now, if a cat of nine, of nine tails, beating, beat, whipping your back, taking uh, the chunks of meat off your back, is light? Rod's light? What is the stuff we're going through? Light affliction. He says, listen, comparative, he's speaking comparatively, and he says, which is but for a moment. He says, whatever you're going through, it's just for a moment. And it's light. Amen. It's temporary. It's but for a moment. And he says, but it's doing something for us. It is working for us a far more, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's what he says it's doing. So it's working for you. The sufferings that you are, and are going through, they are working for us. They are producing something for us. The glory, the affliction, the light afflictions, but for a moment, the glory is forever. The suffering is temporary and it's light. So God wants us to, do that, to go through these things and let us not practice suffering avoidance or suffering evasion. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 10 through 13, he, uh, Paul also, he, he shores up his argument in Romans. He shores it up and he says in verse 10, Therefore I endure all things, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. And what he's talking about, I go through all of these things and I don't mind going through them because of the church. Because of the church, I want, I want the church to receive something here. He says, I, I, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, what? With eternal glory. God is saying, don't cry over these things. Don't be preoccupied with the difficulties of this life. Why? Because we are on our way to something. He says, don't do that. Don't do it at all. You're going to obtain, possess, receive salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Wow. So, I mean, this life is an amazing life. Paul says this in verse 11, he says, this is a faithful saying. And what he is saying is you can put trust and confidence in the word of God. Put trust and confidence in the word of God. Come on, put your trust and confidence in the word of God, not in the things of this life. If we died with him. Now, we died with him. So let's say, since we died with him. Every believer in the house, since we died with him. Every believer online, since we died with him, we shall also live with him. I want you to know something right now. This is not just futuristic. Right now, we're living with him. Right now, we are in him and he is in us. We're right now living with him. Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible tells us that we're supposed to right now, not wait until later, but we ought to be practicing ruling and reigning now. And so all of the negative situations that we're encountering, encountering, Paul tells us that we are to rule. We are to reign in life through Jesus Christ. Reign in life, that means rule. Amen. 
take dominance over these things. This is what God wants for us. This is what has been given to us. But so often we want to wait until later to rule and reign. No, I'm practicing right now. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm watching the Spirit of the Lord lift a standard against them. I got to preaching early. I was going to, Lazarus was going to come up, and I, I was going to give him a chance to testify because he had been having severe pain in his shoulder. And he, he just got down earlier in the praise and worship and talked to God about it. Got down on the, on the floor and got up, and, and the, everything was gone. It's been plaguing him for a long, long time. Ruling and reigning, ruling and reigning, ruling and reigning, ruling and reigning in life. That's what God wants. He doesn't want you to sit back and feel sorry for yourself. Even if you feel bad and God didn't instantaneously heal you like he did him, he gave you the strength to go through. Thank you, Jesus, for strength to go through. Thank you, Jesus. So Paul talks about this. He says, verse 12 of 2 Timothy 2, if we endure we shall also reign with him. So Paul is saying, that, he's not saying if we endure in the sense that, that we may not endure, but he's saying that you will be able to go through whatever God allows. Whatever God allows. So uh, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. And he says another thing, if we deny him, he also will deny us. So let me just kind of talk about that in a different context or in, in a clearer context. I do not think that Paul is saying the warning is there. It's a clear warning to continue. But I'm not going to deny him. He said, don't say that. No, I'm not going to deny him. Because the life in me will not deny him. You know why? He lives in me. And I'm, I am motivated and moved by the Spirit of God in me. I'm not just talking out of, my, out of the side of my head. I'm not, I'm not just making up this thing as I go. I'm being informed by the Holy Spirit. You are being informed by the Holy Spirit. Daily, he is your portion. It's not some outward thing with me. It's not something outward with you. He says, these things will be revealed in us. All the glory of God is being revealed in us. Not just to us, being revealed in us. We're, not, we're no longer our own. Come on, we are different. We're different than all the peoples of the earth. Thank you, Jesus. We are God's people group. I said we are God's people group. We're the people group of God. Doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or Gentile. We're the people group of God. Let's know who we are and let's walk in that. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, if we deny him, he will deny us. But I'm not going to deny him. But there are churchgoers. You've not given yourself over to the Lord. You just go to church. You still have your own ideas. You do whatever you want to do. When you want to get angry about something, you get angry about it. You, you want to hurt somebody with your words, you just hurt them. Churchgoer. He says, you deny him every day. He'll deny you. But if we are faithless, I love this one. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. I've been faithless. Now you may look at me and say, well, Pastor, I'm surprised. No, I'm surprised that you haven't. We've all been faithless at some juncture. We've all been without faith. What did he do? Did, did he deny us? No, he was faithful to pick you up. Thank you, Jesus, and clean you, wash you. Thank you, Jesus. That's how he is. This is reality for us. 
He says he remains faithful. Why? He cannot deny himself. His name, according to John in Revelation, his name is faithful and true. That's what we would call a moniker, as it were. He's faithful and true. Let's look at John 15, 20. John 15, 20. He says, John 15, 20 reads, Remember the word that I said to you, this is Jesus, a servant is not greater than his master. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Did you get that? If, if, if since the world persecuted Jesus, the world will also persecute you. I am not a friend of the world. The world doesn't like me. The world doesn't like you. You know, we've always wanted to be accepted in the world. Yeah, you know, when you go to these jobs, sometimes you just show up, man. You haven't said anything, you haven't done anything, and they don't even like you. Why? It's because of the Spirit of God in you. He says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4.12. Let's look at 4 Peter. He says, Beloved, speaking to all of us, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Amen. Don't be all, I don't know what's going on. You don't? <laughs> you know, you, you've been in Christ all this time and you still don't know what's going on? I don't know. I've been nice to everybody. <laughs> you know yeah come on now now if you said something like that when you came to my office I'm not talking about you <laughs> second Timothy chapter 312 second Ch- uh, Timothy chapter 312 verse 12 yes listen to what Paul says yes and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. I'm not saying go out and find something to be persecuted about. I'm not saying that. But all who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The world will attack you. But a lot of times we found we found the world's talking points, and I hear Christians repeating the world's talking points. Okay, I'm coming to pull it out. I'm going to pull it out. Que lastima. <laughs> what a pity. What, what, uh, you know, what a pity. We, we are using the world's talking points, and some Christians aren't being persecuted because you use the world's talking points. You have an affinity with the world. You need to come out from among them and be separate, and the Lord will receive you. Amen. Uh, let, amen. Let me, let me go to verse 19. Um, but I would like to remind you to, to, uh, to remind yourself to read Isaiah 65 verses 17 and 18. Just I want you to re- read those, okay? I'm not going to uh, re- reiterate them t- today. Verse 19 talks about our relationship with the created order. Yeah. 
I, when I go into our grocery store, which is H-E-B down here, uh, I go in H-E-B. I, I often pray when I go in H-E-B. Uh, I'm walking in there and I'm just thanking God for H-E-B and for the workers and asking him to bless them. And I thank him because I didn't, I wanted a steak. I didn't have to go kill a cow. You know, I, I, I really, I thank God. And I, I thank God I didn't have to go out there and, and, and pick peas to have a, a, a pea salad. You know, I, I thank God for that. You know, and I, fruit, I didn't have to go uh, drive to the valley and, and wait there till uh, it was time for oranges or whatever. Or go to some place where peaches are and then get those. I could have peaches for any time I want to in H-E-B almost. Uh, mangoes any time I want to. Oranges and apples and I just thank God for that. I thank God. I thank God for the blessings that he has given to us. And, and, and so I want, I want all of us to know that the, the created order suffered. The created order suffered uh, when Adam sinned. It suffered. And so now the creation is, uh, is eagerly waiting on something to happen with God's people. I'm waiting on something to happen with us as well. So in verse 19, he says, he, he shows us our relationship to the created order. Our sin caused something in nature to happen. Let's look at it. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So Paul, he, he talks about creation in an animated sense in that he, he's giving life to creation. It's not like inanimate. The earth is alive. It's just sick from sin. Yes, yes. Our sin, not its own. He says, the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits. I gave you an example of this some time ago when I was talking about the little muchler boys when they were much smaller than they are today. Pastor Tim's boys, they, whenever he would walk somewhere, they would be so glad to see him. They would get on their tiptoes. And they would just be on their tippy toes waiting on daddy. And this is the imagery here. Their creation is on its tippy toes waiting on the sons of God to be revealed. They're waiting on it because he says, verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, uh, not willingly, emptiness, uh, not able to create what it was, it was able to before to create. It says it was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So God, God did not allow creation to keep producing because we were now uh, low producers because of sin and non-producers. We, we weren't able, so he didn't let a creation, as it were, outgrow us. This is amazing. Of the goodness of God. He says he subjected it in hope, not in wishing, but in biblical hope, which is an expectation. God, God spoke something, and whatever God speaks, it happens. And he spoke something over us. And so he knew that one day we were going to come out of this crazy quagmire. And, 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 and Marcus says, I should have used conundrum in the first verse. <laughs> But a quagmire or, or a conundrum where nothing is favorable for you, you know. You know, you, you, you know this is bad and that's bad and that's bad and that's bad. But, but no, he pulled us out of it. And he says, I'm going to pull you out of it. And when I pull you out of it, when I reveal who I am, John says, says um, behold, uh, uh, beloved, 
what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And so, and then he says that when Jesus Christ, he says, beloved, now are we the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so the, the image we hear Paul is showing us is that right now, it's soon and very soon that we're going to begin, Jesus is going to come and we're going to see him in his glory and splendor. And the Bible says at that very moment, we see him, then we are changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we are changed and we are like him. We're going to see this amazing, glorious God come from heaven. And when we see him, we're going to instantaneously become like him. And then creation is going to start to come from its bondage. That's what God wants us to know. He wants us to know that we are different than all the peoples of the earth. I may get the same headache as the sinner gets, but I'm not going to the same place that the sinner is going. Thank you, Jesus, somebody. Thank you, Jesus, somebody. For creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty. Delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. This is what God wants us to know. And this is what we must know if we're going to live and grow properly. I would like, I would like to, I would like to stop there. I would like to stop there and just say to all of us, let's walk it out. Paul tells us that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pain, Amen. even till right now. Yes. Yes. So let's walk this out. Let's walk it out. Yes. Let's be the people that Jesus died for in this present world. Amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Can we do it? Yes. Or is this just another, another service? Paul tells us that, that we who have the first fruits of the Spirit are like creation. We're groaning within ourselves. Creation is groaning for us to be something. <laughs> and we're growing, you know, we're out there digging in that caliche trying to make it grow something. And that old thick clay. He said, but we're, we're, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we're groaning within ourselves. We're eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. I know you may say, well, Pastor, you said that we were already adopted. We are. But there's a, a last phase of our adoption. The last phase of our adoption is the new body. Oh, hey, wow. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to just scream and just do something crazy up here. But that's the last phase. Redemption of our body. Any kind of Christianity, Christianity that is all figured out intellectually is not real Christianity. So the creation's groaning, wanting us to be revealed, 
And we're groaning, waiting for the new bodies. Inside you right now, you may not hear it, but there's a groaning. You ever sometimes get to the place that God, help us, help us. What's wrong with all of us, Jesus? Groaning, 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 saying, this is not all of it. This isn't all of it. There's more. There's more. That's what your, your spirit man is saying. Let's do it for Jesus. Let's do it because he wants it. Let's do it because we ought to. Let's do it because he gave us his spirit. I'm going to come back in just a second. I ask Sister Stephanie. She's going to sing, but I want you to be thinking about something. If you're here and you're not giving your heart to Jesus, I want you to do that. God wants you to do that. That's why God the Father sent Jesus, so that you would not die and go to hell. Now, if you're a young person, you, may, you don't have hell on your, on your mind as such. You think you're going to live forever because you feel good. You know, arthritis probably hadn't set in. You know, none of that. You can run all day and not get sore. Yeah, eat whatever you want to. But the, the evil days are coming. But the Bible says you should remember you're created in the days of your youth before the evil days come. So I'm going to ask you to give your heart to Jesus. If you, don't, if you can't remember the date and the time, I want you to do that in a, in a minute. And if you're an older person, you just say, well, I go to church. I'm a good person. You need Jesus. Doesn't matter if you, if you put the foundation of the church. You just went to church. You heard the overly used uh, analogy just because, you know, uh, how does it go? Uh, about the car in the garage. You know, I think it says, what is that, does it go? Yeah, just because you go into a garage, it doesn't make you a car. Is that how it goes? That's what my wife said. <laughs> so just because you're in a garage, that makes you a car, right? Right, right? And just because you're here, it doesn't make you a saint. So give yourself to Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's the best thing you can do. Yeah. It's the best thing you can do. And so I, I'm going to come back in just a minute, and she's going, to, she's going to worship. By the way, Sister Stephanie, I've been so blessed by the way that you and this team have been. I mean, I'm really blessed, man. Yeah, really blessed. And just, you know... Y'all are too young to know this. You're too young. But they used to say to us, all of you up there are too young to know this. But they used to say, just let the Holy Ghost have his way. Y'all don't remember that, though. See, they're too young. But So just let the Spirit of God do whatever he wants to do. That's how you do it. <laughs> okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to come back. And if you don't remember the date and the time you gave yourself to Jesus, I want you to come and do it again. You say, well, I just thought I was born saved. I, I, I thought I was saved when I was 10 years old. I thought I was born that way. And then I realized when I was 10 at an Oral Roberts tent meeting, I, I went to give myself to Jesus. I thought I already was born that way. I thought I had never sinned. I don't know what I was thinking all those spankings were for. <laughs> so we're going to come back in just a minute. <laughs> 